Welcome to the Acknowledge Dogs podcast. You are listening on Monday, which means it is Mentoring Monday. This is where I break down complex behavior problems, and I actually walk you through the process for free. When someone's going to charge you thousands of dollars, I'm going to walk you through the process for free and help you figure out this behavior problem. Welcome to Mentor Mondays on Acknowledge Dogs podcast. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome. Today, today we're talking about harnesses, okay? If you use a harness on your dog, don't worry. We're going to go over why that's good, why that's bad, how you should improve. Maybe you can do something else. Maybe you can get your dog out of a harness. And if you're not putting a harness on your dog, why aren't you putting a harness on your dog? Maybe there's reasons you should have a harness on your dog. Maybe there's reasons you should not. So this episode stemmed from a recent TikTok going around. Basically what's happening is the dog training industry is up in arms about this one trainer in particular, who I I won't mention. Um, But he basically calls out owners and is like, what the hell are you doing having a harness on your dog that's not necessary? And and he kind of bashes it a little bit. But there are good reasons to have a harness on your dog. I don't think every dog should have a harness, but there are some good reasons and there are some bad reasons. But the way that this trainer went about it elicit a lot of response from other trainers and so what basically happened is all these other trainers got together and were like yeah i use a harness and they showed their dog in a harness walking perfectly next to them and having no problem doing exactly what the expectation is for that dog in that particular you know exercise or whatever they were doing so if they were walking the dog would be walking next to them if they were going to be doing you know uh, scent work or if they were pulling for sled then All of that was justified to what they were doing in the video, despite wearing the harness. And that's one of the key points that we're going to get to in a little bit, as to why the harness can be efficient, or it can be hurtful. But we'll get over that, so we'll talk about it in a little bit. So the first thing you have to understand is there are different types of harnesses. There are different types of apparatuses that you can use to get a hold of your dog in general. But since we're talking about harnesses, there's basically three main harnesses, okay? There are the ones specifically designed for pulling. Those are your bike joring, or um, if you want to have your dog pull you on a cart, or if you're doing sled work. All of that is, there's a very specific harness designed for that specific purpose. The dogs that do sled pulling for competition, not just the um, Iditarod and other races through the snow, but, you know, weighted pulling those harnesses are very very specialized reason being it's tailored towards the back end of the dog so it, it, it's ergonomically designed a little bit differently but it also gives them a mechanical advantage 
If you are trying to put that harness on your dog and teach them to walk next to you, it can be done. I'm not saying it can't. It absolutely can be done, just like teaching a dog to be off-leash, right? It's all the same stuff. But you do have the natural inkling for that dog to start pulling through that harness because that's what it's designed to do. And that's what most people's arguments about not using harnesses is. Oh, well, it teaches the dog to pull. Yes, during an opposition reflex, if I pull my dog back, who's wearing a harness designed for him to pull through, then yes, he's going to start pulling. But as long as I am a intellectual trainer and I'm trying to think about what I'm rewarding and what I'm punishing and how can I alter what my dog does, I can have my dog off leash whether it has a harness on or not. So that's my two cents about that. <laughs> so <clears throat> let's go over the other types of harnesses. There's the front clip harness and the back clip harness that's not designed just for pulling. So you could have a harness designed for if you're hiking and you accidentally slip and your dog is now suspended, but they're held together better by the harness. They're not going to slip out of the harness. It's not designed for them to pull. It's designed to hold them. Or if you were going to pick your dog up, let's say you had to, you know, you're doing an obstacle course. You want to be able to pick your dog up to get them over a high wall. That harness is going to be very, very different than a sled dog harness. And then you have the harness that is designed with the clip on the front. This was designed as a way to stop dogs from pulling, but it is not a fix, you know, a, a, an automatic fix. The front clip harness was designed to add some discomfort to the front so that your dog pauses pulling, meaning... They could pull straight through it if the motivation is big enough, okay? And that's why reinforcement is so valuable. If your dog is willing to push through in order to get what they want to get to, then it doesn't matter what kind of harness you use, or collar for that matter. If the dog's motivation is strong enough, it doesn't matter what tool you use. But I digress. So you have a harness that's clipped to the front. What's supposed to happen is you're supposed to take this this new stimulus, this weird feeling that makes your dog hesitate pulling, and you're supposed to use that to your advantage. So if your dog doesn't like that pulling sensation when they go forward, good, you would mark and reward for giving in to that weird pressure on the front of their chest. Most people don't go through that, and what ends up happening is they put the front harness, they put the front harness on, the dog starts walking and realizes, okay, this is uncomfortable, but I could pull through it if I wanted to. It then pulls through it, gets to what it wants to get to, and it's tripping half the time, which I don't like, preferably. I don't think anybody wants their dog to be tripping, and I don't think a dog wants to trip. I was working with a pit bull once, and they had progressively gotten different equipment. It started off with a flat collar. The dog pulled through the flat collar. They said, okay, let's go to a back harness. The back harness worked for all of 30 seconds because, again, it was awkward. So the dog kind of shut down like, okay, I don't know what this harness is for. The dog ended up pulling through the harness. They then got on a front clip harness. The dog then pulled through the front clip harness because they weren't teaching the dog the appropriate thing to do in response to any of it. Right? You could teach a dog to walk with a flat collar. You can teach a dog to walk without a collar. That's the whole point that I'm getting out of this episode, and I hope you guys gather that. You can teach your dog without any equipment. You can. 
It's been done before. It will be done again. It'll be done until the ends of time. You do not need equipment to train your dog. However, in this particular case, the dog kept pushing through everything that the owner tried to put on the dog. And it worked for a short period of time, which reinforced the owner for trying this new thing. And then it would fail because the dog just pushed through it. So after the front clip harness, he jumped to a face halter because he didn't want to use a prong and he didn't want to use those tools. So he puts on a face halter and once again, the dog was able to suppress the uncomfortable feeling on her nose to push through and get to what she wanted to get to. So goes through all this. I finally see the owner. I said, all right, we're just going to clip it on the flat collar. Okay. All the distractions are gone and we're just going to work on some nice engagement. We started working on engagement and then we just had to go back and add in these distractions. And it was that simple. And he couldn't understand what the difference was. And I said, the difference is that we're actually teaching your dog what we want them to do. We're not just relying on equipment. And he finally understood it. He just kept going and spending more money on equipment when he should have gone and spent more money on a good, solid trainer that's going to help him through this process. We eventually get the dog all better. He went on his merry way and the dog was walking fine. So if you have a dog that is struggling, let's say they're pulling on a flat collar, by all means, switch to a harness, okay? By all means, switch to a harness. That way you take the pressure off of their throat. That's good. I'm all about that. I'm glad with that. The problem is you can't stop there. You, you just can't, okay? You can't just slap the harness on and say, all right, I'm going on my merry way. If it was up to me, Every owner should work with their dog off-leash in an environment that is safe first. You do that first, and then whatever you want to throw on your dog, as long as you work on desensitizing them to that item, you can have on your dog, because it won't matter, right? So if, if I want to slap a harness on my dog, all right, I'm going to put a harness on my dog, and I know that he can walk next to me without needing a leash or treats or a toy and he can just walk next to me no problem what's the point of putting the harness on maybe for identification sure okay we could have the harness on for identification or if we go hiking or something that's fine so it doesn't matter what i put on i could put an e-collar on doesn't mean i'm gonna use it i could put a, a, a prong collar on not gonna use it and the reason i'm not gonna use it is because i don't have to anymore right so I mean, one of the best examples of this is having the eyesight on your car. Sure, the eyesight is great. But if you rely on the eyesight, you're going to get in an accident. Okay? I was once driving down on the Southern State, if anybody knows of Long Island and the Southern State and how ridiculous that is. For everybody who does not know what the Southern State is, imagine being on a highway and the exits or entrance ramps are less than a driveway to your house. And if you have a long driveway, like cut it in half if not even shorter than that. And you got to go from zero to 60 in that time. And people aren't going to move over out of the right lane to let you in. So you either got to gun it or you got to wait, which means now you're going seriously zero to 60. You have no time to, to ramp up or slow down. And it's awful. Anyway, so I was on a sudden state heading to the Meadowbrook, which is another awful <laughs> highway, <laughs> a little better than the Southern state, but still awful. Many, many accidents on both of those. So I'm going and a guy jumped off of the entrance ramp and cut me off. 
And by the time my foot had slid over to the brake pad, the eyesight went on and my car slowed down. It didn't fully stop, but it slowed down enough for me not to hit the person who just cut me off. Now, why was that important? I know how to stop my car, and I was clearly paying attention this whole time. But there are situations in which an emergency happened, and my car responded slightly faster than I could respond because it's a computer. Okay, It's not focusing on the 15 other cars and you know being comfortable in the seat and doing whatever whatever i was doing right the computer only has to focus on is this car in danger is there somebody in front of the car do i need to stop the car and it did its job absolutely perfectly well but i need to know how to drive or the eyesight doesn't benefit me at all your dog needs to know how to walk next to you otherwise having an e-collar a prong collar a harness or a flat collar none of that means anything Okay, you don't want to be using, especially an e-collar, you don't want to be using those things to teach. I hope I can, I can bring this point home and it can and resonate with you to the point where you're like, okay, I got it, Michael. <laughs> All right, I get it. You should not be using these things to teach. If you want to use an e-collar or prong collar for whatever reason, okay, fine. I, I might not agree with you. However, it's not how you teach a skill. You can't teach a skill through punishment. That's, that's literally impossible. Punishment removes a skill. It removes a behavior. Right? That's exactly what punishment is supposed to do. You're supposed to get rid of behaviors. So you can't be teaching your dog the right thing you want them to do by punishing them for behavior. You can limit them on what their options are. Uh-huh, right? Okay, now we're, now we're switching from harnesses. We're going completely to a different topic. But you can limit what your dog's options are to the point where you can only reward very, very specific things. Or you can just teach them from the beginning to do very specific behavior and reward that. But the harness isn't going to help you do that. The harness isn't going to stop your dog from pulling. The harness isn't going to stop your dog from doing much of anything besides possibly teaching them to pull. And that's what that trainer's problem was in the first place. Well, if I put a harness on my dog, most likely they're going to pull. Sure, if you only ever put the harness on and they end up pulling. But if you put the harness on when you're playing and you're engaging and they're having fun with you and enjoying their time with you, that's what the purpose is. That's the that's what we want. That's the goal. I can I hope everyone can agree that that's the goal. We want our dog to be engaged and focused, not just listening because there's a harness on or there's a collar on. Right, if you've ever had the problem of taking your dog's leash off or collar at the park and they just run past you, they go do whatever they want, and then you don't get a hold of them again until they're absolutely exhausted, laying in the water bowl, and you come over and clip the leash on and walk out, that's not what you want from your dog, ever. That's just not. <laughs> um, if you have that problem, let me know. I'll help you out, or I'll do a podcast on it. We do have... The university, Matador University, is up right now. We are going over recall and stay, and we are having the Halloween specials. So if you are listening to this during October, today is October 10th. You got 21 days left. Uh, we will be doing a special. If you follow us on Facebook, then you already know about the special or on Instagram. Uh, we did post the special there. So head over to there and, and get access to the university while you still have access to that special. But I digress. You do not want to have a dog that's only responding because you have specific equipment on. 
Okay, so if you put your harness on and your dog walks perfectly next to you, that's great. But now you're halfway there. You got to get your dog off of that and back into the mindset of if I run out of the house and I don't have a collar on, I don't have a leash on, I don't have my harness on, I don't have my face halter on, how am I going to respond when my mom or dad calls my name? You have to train for real life. And a harness, although is a great tool, your dog might not have it on 24-7. Unless you're the kind of person who's like, well, nope, my, the harness is always going to be on. Okay, well, then what happens if it breaks? I've seen it happen, and it always happens when people aren't expecting it. You clip the collar and the harness together, and your dog lunges forward for something, especially if your dog's reactive, and they end up breaking the harness or the leash, and now they're running free, and because... You, they were so reliant on your input through the harness or the leash, now they don't listen. So we have to we have to remove you. We have to take you out of it. You can't be this external stimulus that tells them what to do. They just have to do it. And if they're constantly thinking about what they need to do, it becomes so much easier to transition them out of the equipment. It becomes easier to transition them off-leash. I, th I think personally that everybody wants to have an off-leash dog. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm absolutely wrong. Maybe nobody wants to have an off-leash dog but me. But I will tell you, in the times where I need my dog to be off-leash, it has come in handy and it has been absolutely life-saving. I'll tell you a quick story. I went outside my front door, and I might have said this story on the podcast before, but it's a good story, so hang in there. So I walk out my front door... My first dog, Breezy, she's now eight, I think. And um, so I walk out my first door. She ran out the door, sprints down the block, chasing after a rabbit or something. I said, Breezy, come. She turns around, basically skidded on the cement, turns around, runs right back to me, is waiting for me to give her something good. And that's because that's what we practiced. But if I hadn't practiced that, and she only ever wore a harness or a collar... Or, right, I only ever did long leash work or e-collar work. Now she's going to go, well, I don't have my e-collar my e on. I don't have my long line on. I'm not turning around. Why would I turn around? If I turn around, you know, maybe I go back and maybe there's something. Maybe there's not. <laughs> but she now had the trust in me that no matter what's going on, under any condition, under any scenario, whatever she's wearing or not wearing, she's got to turn around and come to me. She has to. That's just how it is. Right? There's no reason for her not to. It's not, and this is what some people will tell you, it's not as serious as everybody thinks. Okay, Dog training is supposed to be fun and enjoyable, and it's supposed to have a good outcome. If you are putting the stress that you might experience in moments of distress on your dog, like you have to do this, otherwise, that's too much. It's too much. Okay? So think about it this way, right? If if I'm going to put the stress of my dog needing to recall because there is no reason that they, like, if, if you don't recall, you're going to get hit by a car, right? If you don't recall, you're going to get hit by a car. You have to recall to me. That's putting stress on my dog, even though my dog has no idea what the hell I'm saying, okay? I'm taking my stress and I'm trying to put it on my dog because I can't handle that stress. Instead, and this is very, very difficult, I see my dog running towards the highway. 
I need to go, Hawk, come. And as he turns around expecting all the fun in the world, I should go, yay, good job, oh my gosh. And he's going to start getting all excited and he's going to run straight to me and we're going to get to play the game that we've played 800,000 times. Now, will he know that I just saved his life? No. Will I know I just saved his life? Absolutely. Right? Will he know that I saved his life? No. He has no clue. He's just going to go back to doing what he's doing. But if I thought about it as I have, uh, like, you're going to end up getting hit by a car. You have to turn around and come back to me right now or else. No, that's not how it works. Because what happens? In my dog's brain, everything is fun. Until something is not fun, everything is fun. So my dog's brain running up to the street is an enjoyable activity. Until running up to the street ends up getting hurt. There's a photo, and I, I wish I had this book. I don't have this book. There's a photo, and the, the first photo in the book talks about um, messenger dogs back in Germany. And if anybody knows of this book, great. Please let me know. You can email me at Matador Canine. Oh, jeez. Started breaking the microphone here. I got so excited. <laughs> um, if you know this book, please send me a copy of the book at matadorcanine.com, matadorcanine.com. You can message me and let me know you have the book. I will easily pay for it. Uh, this book so the cover of the book is a bunch of i believe they're jack russells or maybe a breed that doesn't exist anymore and they are sprinting towards soldiers that are laying down shooting so the the soldiers are, are in the trenches and they're shooting forward and the dogs are coming at them and this was while i was in college my professor showed me this book and I asked him, I was like, how did they train these dogs to do this? You know, the, I mean, w let alone the gunshots. These dogs must hear the whipping of the bullets past their body. Again, this is in wartime. I would not recommend this as a training regimen now. But I digress. So I said, how do they, how do they train these dogs to do this? And he said, these dogs have never been shot. And it hit me. I thought, wow. You know, the, like, training is fun and enjoyable. And at no point did these dogs ever experience pain or injury. It was all just, well, this is a fun recall that they have to do. They got to run back to their handler as fast as they can, and they're going to get to play their game. Despite the severity and the, the very real possibility of getting injured, those dogs were willing to run in a straight line directly past fire. They were literally getting shot past. They did not care. They went directly to where they needed to get to. And this is they were getting recalled back to their handler. They weren't being sent on somebody. They weren't being... They were getting recalled back to their handler. And the, the, the same team was shooting. Okay, I want to preface that. So... When you think, oh man, my dog's not listening and they're being malicious or um, they're, you know, they, they need to learn this because they're going to get hurt, they don't take it that way. If you, if you need to recall your dog against a snake, your dog's not thinking about, oh, well, if I, if I don't go, I'm going to get bit by this snake. I'm going to get zapped. What they learn is, ooh, mom called me. Great. Let me turn around. And they run over as fast as lightning. But that's only if you teach that. And it's only if you teach it without a harness, without a collar, without 
all the other things that we put on our dog to try to get some kind of compliance because we think our dogs are responsible for learning this stuff. It's not true. We're responsible for teaching them what we need them to do. Okay? That is it for today's episode. That was a little bit of a rant. If you have a harness on your dog, feel free to keep it on your dog. Just go through the process of teaching them first. If you don't have a harness on your dog and you're not putting it on because you think somebody's going to get mad at you, so well. So well. That's not a phrase. Oh, well. (laughs) So tough darts for them. Okay? Don't just keep your dog on equipment because other people are telling you to do so. And don't take your dog off equipment because other people are telling you to do so. Take the information that you hear, take the information that I give you, absorb it, take what is useful, discard what is not, as they say, and keep on training.